You're listening to The Driven, the podcast that gives you the news and the views, the ins and the outs on electric vehicles. The Driven is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy and The Driven websites, and is brought to you by ZeroMo, a non-profit initiative helping transition to battery-powered lawn and gardening equipment and electric vehicles using 100% renewable energy. Hello and welcome to The Driven Podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson and I'm editor of The Driven website along with Renew Economy and One Step Off The Grid. Today we're testing out the Hyundai Kona Electric. It's the first small compact SUV to hit the market and that's significant in itself because the compact SUV is the most popular market in the um, amongst uh, passenger vehicles right now. And more significantly, it is the first long-range electric car to hit the Australian market at a price of less than $100,000. The Kona SUV is priced at $60,000 for its Elite or base model and $65,000 for the Highlander model. And with that extra $5,000, you get a sunroof and a few other bits and bobs inside, a nicer interior and a few other sort of flashings. But basically, the car is more or less the same. And I guess it's true to say about the Kona is that it doesn't actually look like an electric car. It looks for all the world like any other compact SUV that you might see around the place. And this is a deliberate strategy by Hyundai. They did this with the Hyundai Ioniq, the electric car and the hybrid version, which looked more or less the same as the Elantra with a couple of extra trimmings. And they've chosen to do the same with the Kona because there's been a fossil fuel Kona or a petrol Kona around for a few years yet. And that's basically the strategy of the Hyundai after we've seen Elon Musk take uh, electric vehicles from golf buggies to something the wow factor and something really desirable. Hyundai are dialing it back into the middle and saying, well, this is the everyday car. And I guess I'll talk a bit about later about the difference between electric vehicles and fossil fuel cars being essentially now the price and the experience. But let's get back to this Kona. It does look more or less the same. It doesn't have an open grill at the front. It's got a much closed grill at the front, a bit like the Tesla vehicles that we've seen and the Jaguar I-Pace. And of course, it's got its little charging point at the front as well. Um, And uh, we've had this Kona for about five days. Unfortunately, there's been no public charging infrastructure that actually works for this vehicle in northern New South Wales. We went down to the public library with free charging and found it was an old model CCS charging plug. We went up to Macadamia Castle where there's a big array of Tesla chargers and we found that the um, the charger for other vehicles was, again, a first model, a first generation CCS plug. And we went to another place and didn't have the required plug for that. So we've been charging at home and that actually has been no problem at all. And I guess that's a really significant thing for future EV owners as they're thinking, well, where do and how do I charge my car? Well, it's pretty easy. Charge it at home. Hyundai just provide a very simple plug and adapter. You plug it into the wall. It's not quick charging, but Look, most everyday trips can probably be charged and replaced within a couple of hours. And if you do a longer trip, then you can charge it overnight. And that's what we've been doing because we've been giving it a fair run around the place. What I'm going to do now is actually take you out on a trip in the Kona and basically just sort of talk about it. You can get, you can hear a little bit about the noise and um, and some of the comments that I make as we're going along because it's pretty interesting. Just the electric vehicle is actually quite different to the fossil fuel cars. It looks in the Kona, it looks the same, but it drives very differently. 
Now let's start off now. I'm leaving home. I'm going to the nearest coffee shop. It's about a 10 minute drive away. So I'll start off now just with the sound of the car starting up. There you go, it's switched on. It's just a simple press of the button. We see that the um, the charge is at now, what is it now? Right, just press this extra button. What have we got here? It's at 98%, 463 kilometers range. Um, I presume that's in echo mode. So one of the interesting things about the car is that it's got three modes of driving and, um, and, and three, and three um, th three stages of regeneration and I'll go through that um, as we go along. As you can hear it's pretty quiet we've just uh, reversed out of the driveway we're just going th down through our dirt track towards the main road. Pretty much one of the lovely things about electric vehicles is not only are you not burning um, any fossil fuels to drive You've also got a very quiet experience, and um, what you can hear at the moment is the slight whir of the electric drivetrain, and um, also the road noise. There's um, no covering that up, so as we go down the dirt track, and you'll hear in a moment as we're going along the um, the road at about 80 k's, um, you will hear some road noise. Right now, I've got 463 kilometres of range in front of me. I'm going to put the air conditioning on um, because it's a bit stuffy in here, and um, need to cool it down a bit. All of a sudden, I've just taken 30 kilometers off the range. I've now got 434 kilometers, so that's interesting. So air conditioning takes up about, you know, eight, nine, 10% of the um, of the power of the car. And look, that's the same as in whether you've got a petrol car or a diesel car. It's pretty much the same thing. I mentioned the three modes before. I've just got, um, I, I find echo mode is really good along highways when you're just sitting on 110 because there's really nothing else to do sitting in traffic because really there's nothing else to do. There's comfort mode, which is kind of in the middle, which some people would really like uh, because it's just quite relaxing. It's, it, it's, in, it's in the middle, you don't have to actually sort of think about it. And then there's sports mode, and sports mode I quite like, particularly in these country roads because it does give you more acceleration and I just think the handling's better and, and, the, and the driving's more fun. So I'm gonna put it into sports mode now, and it's a, just an easy press of the button, they're done. And all of a sudden I've lost another 15 k's of range, so I'm now down to 421 kilometers of range, which is in sports mode and uh, with the air conditioning on. Of course, if I ever got down towards the last 20 or 30 kilometers and I wasn't too sure where the nearest uh, charging station was or the nearest plug, then I can always switch on the off the air conditioning and put it back into echo mode. But um, there you go. As you can hear, all you can hear right now is the um, indicator and the road's clear, so off I go. So we're going down a windy road in northern New South Wales. Um, it's reasonably straight, it's not too windy, but it's quite nice, it's in, in, the, in, in the hills. It's very pleasant. One of the other things I really like about the electric vehicles is their regeneration. Now, this is basically allowing the electric engine to sort of slow down itself and to use the energy it creates in doing that to actually regenerate, the to recharge the battery. In many cars you'll find that there's actually um, a couple of different levels of regeneration. In the Hyundai Kona, it has three. At level one, basically 
none at all. I've just taken the foot off the accelerator and you barely slow down, you barely no notice it. And there's just a little bit of recharge on the, um, on the sign here. Um, instead of having revolutions, um, what you have here is a, uh, whether you're charging or, dis or uh, discharging the, um, the battery. So with a little flick of a, um, a flap next to the wheel, I go into regen two, level two, and now I'm into level three. So what happens here is that if I take my foot off the accelerator, it slows down quite significantly. I've now gone down to 60, I'm now going down to 50, and it slows down. And all the while I was charging, recharging the batteries. I tell you why I really like this. It gives you a real sense of control. Once you get used to it, and it doesn't take long to get used to, you have got good acceleration with the electric vehicle and then you've got actually good braking without actually using the brakes. And it means that for most of the time you can actually drive the car with just one pedal, just the accelerator pedal. You're pushing on it to accelerate, you're taking your foot off to slow down. And you probably need to use your foot and the brake only in an emergency and um, if you come to a stop at the traffic lights. As you can hear, the um, the noise of the car is, is pretty minimal. There is some road noise as you hear the tyres going across the road and um, maybe a little bit of wind going past the, um, the mirrors. And that's about it. The other interesting thing about the Kona and all electric vehicles, in fact, is that um, you don't go through gears because it's not manual. And while you notice in most automatic cars you actually go through the gears, you can sort of feel them going, um, the, um, the automatic um, gearbox doing it for you. In electric vehicles you don't notice that at all. It is just quite seamless. And that means that um, there's no slowing down and then sort of, you know, sort of accelerating again as you sort of, um, as you crank up the speed. It also means that the power is pretty constant and you'd really notice that when you're going up hills. We've got a couple of nice sort of bendy parts of the road, sort of nice wide long bends that go uphill. And um, in my petrol car, you sort of sometimes you get a bit sluggish up there um, or you've got to turn down a couple of gears. With this car, it barely blinks. You can accelerate all the way up it and um, that's actually a really fun part of the driving. Of course, the Kona also has a couple of other interesting attributes, but a lot of these are pretty, um, pretty much standard with most cars now. There's cruise control, there's adaptive cruise control, there's lane guidance. You might have heard a couple of beeps um, a while back as I sort of ventured over a couple of white lines, um, as you tend to do in the, um, on a deserted country road. Um, the rest of it though, and this is really interesting thing about the Hyundai strategy to electric vehicles, is they make this car look as and feel, at least in the sitting part of it, not in the driving part, as much as they can about their existing fleet. So really you sit here and there's not that much difference. There's all your normal buttons. I mean, some of them do different functions like changing driving mode and um, doing different levels of regeneration. There is a big screen, a bit like a, um, a small iPad screen in front of you, which you can use your um, to use for um, radio and music and um, telephone and um, then it gives you some details about the performance of the electric vehicle so most specifically its level of charge how much you're using at the moment how much is left and also your history 
So the history here tells us that on average we've been using about 14 kilowatt hours to 15 kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers. And um, I think that's pretty much standard with a, um, with a Hyundai Kona. Um, I think it's uh, rated capacity is about 14 kilowatt hours, 100 kilometers. I've gotten down to about 12 or 13 on, um, on some of my little um, movements around the place. But look, I have to say it's been about 14 and sometimes a bit over. And um, when it's over, it's probably because I've been driving it quite hard and I'm just delighted with the acceleration and just love the feel of that. So, um, but look, that's really interesting because uh, for 100 kilometers, let's say the rate is 14 kilowatt hours. If you charge it at home at 30 cents a kilowatt hour, that's going to cost you $4.20 um, $4. for 100 um, kilometers. If you're driving a petrol equivalent and you've got a fuel efficiency of about um, 7 litres, 100 kilometres, and you're getting petrol at about $1.50 or $1.60, then that's going to cost you $11. So that's basically three times as more for the petrol car and or the diesel car as it is for the electric car. And of course, if you're lucky enough to actually find an electric vehicle charging station that's working, then sometimes you might get them for free, as you're supposed to do in the local library. Um, or you might pay a rate if you get it in a more commercial setting. And then, if you're actually charging from home, you're basically getting it for free. Or, if you want to be really pedantic about it, you're getting it for the lost revenue that you would have got from exporting that solar back to the grid. So that depends how much you're getting paid for exporting solar. And for some people, I guess that's eight cents a kilowatt hour. Some people, that's sixteen cents a kilowatt hour. So your cost of electricity to drive one hundred kilometres is either four dollars if you're paying full rate from the grid, uh, two dollars if you're foregoing a really good feed-in tariff, or one dollar if you're just getting an average feed-in tariff, or three if you just think that the sun's free and your solar panels are there anyway, so you're not going to worry about such counting. Now I'm actually going up one of these hills, um, a bit of a windy road up a hill. I'm in sports mode and it is accelerating beautifully. Um, it handles really well. I have to say, not as well as the Teslas or the Jaguars, but they're twice as expensive and probably got a bit more money sort of invested in the, um, in the architecture, but it handles pretty well going up these corners. We're going up pretty quickly. We haven't slowed down, haven't paused. Um, I'm not going too fast because there's a windy road, so I'm being sensible, but um, yeah, we're going up a reasonably steep hill and there's just no issue. And if I would just want to, I've got a bit of a straight here, push it down and I'm off again. No, no second thoughts. The, the performance of these electric vehicles is a joy. So it's not just the fact that it's electric and it's silent and you're not burning fossil fuels, you don't have an exhaust out the back, um, you're not making a racket. Actually, a real, they're actually really fun to drive. They're quick, they're responsive, and they handle well. Um, it's really quite, it's, it's really quite exciting. It's going to be so sad because later on today I've got to hand over this car and go back to my little French diesel, which um, which I've loved dearly for the last ten years. But um, I'm ready to make that permanent shift. I can tell you. So I guess it then it comes down to the value. This car is 64 kilowatt hour battery, so it's got a 450 kilometer range. And um, as I went um, through earlier, um, 
that's pretty damn good and it is fairly real. Sure, if you switch the air conditioning on and you spend the whole time in sports mode, maybe that comes down to about 410 kilometers or maybe even 400 kilometers, but um, I've had no issue there. Look, I left um, home, for, oh, it's about 14 kilometers away. I've done, I've still got 411 kilometer range. I've got the air conditioning on, it's nice and cool inside. Um, I've been in sports mode. I've gone up the hill pretty quickly, more quickly than you might have done if you're just driving in your normal day-to-day -day life. And I've still got the range. And over the last five years, I've just been using the car as I'd normally use any car, which is basically put the surfboard on the roof, go down to the beach, have a surf, go into a cafe, do some work, come home, do some more work. I probably do 40, 50 Ks, do a couple of other errands, about 60 Ks a day. To do that takes about, what, um, six kilowatt hours, seven kilowatt hours, maybe eight kilowatt hours. That takes three hours to charge um, at home. And um, if I'm coming down in the late morning or the middle of the day, I can just plug it into the um, house. It takes three or four hours. I don't even have to think about it. And it's charged up with the solar. So um, fantastic. So, so this car is the cheapest car that you can get with such a range. Everything up till now, which has had four, 400 kilometers or more, has been priced 130, 140, and then keep going up to about the 200 and something for the top range, Tesla X's and, and Model S with 100 kilowatt hour batteries. And though they need those 100 kilowatt hour batteries because they're big cars, they're heavy cars. So this, as I said before, is a small compact SUV. So it doesn't need nearly as much battery to get at the 450 kilometers. And that's um, pretty exciting. The cost then is, I'm, there's two versions of the Kona out at the moment. There's the Elite, which is $60,000 plus on roads, and the Highlander, which is $65,000 plus on roads. And I'm sitting in the Highlander at the moment. I think it's got a lot nicer interior. It's got a little sunroof. Um, and I think that's about the only difference. So the question is for people, do I want to pay $60,000 or $65,000 for an electric vehicle or not? And I guess this is, we are still in first adopter territory. Um, and particularly when you think about the petrol Kona, um, which is probably you can get for even less than $30,000. The very base model I think I saw it advertised on the Hyundai website the other day, $26,000 drive away. So that's really interesting. Do you pay $60,000 for an electric one? Well, you do if you are a first adopter and you just can't wait to get into electric vehicles and you're not thinking too much about the ROI or the return on investment. But look, here's the thought. Let's say an average Kona, petrol Kona is $30,000 and the electric Kona is $60,000, $30,000 gap. The average age or the average use of a car in Australia, average ownership is 10 years. Now, if I'm saving $50 a week on um, petrol and charging because it's much cheaper to charge the vehicle at home than it is to buy petrol and stick it in the tank, that's $2,500 a year. Multiply that by five, that's $12,500. Multiply that by 10 years, that's $25,000. Then you start adding in the actual cheaper cost of running the vehicle. So with this regenerative braking, I have, I've hardly used the brakes at all in the last week, just for sort of the final stops at traffic lights, which we actually don't have in the Byron Shire, but you know, stop signs and, 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 and allowing for other traffic and, and, and whatnot. 
And, um, you know, if I had to put on the brace because I needed to stop quicker than I otherwise um, would be able to with the regen. So that means that you're going to be spending less on replacing uh, brake pads. And the whole setup of the electric motor means that um, the actual maintenance is much less costly. There's less moving parts to replace. So over a 10-year period, if you're thinking that far ahead, there may not actually be that much difference in the cost of the electric vehicle. And if in 10 years' time you're trying to sell it, well, I wonder how much you can sell a petrol car for even in five years' time, let alone 10 years' time, a second-hand petrol car, when you're thinking that most countries around the world are looking to ban the sale of new um, petrol and diesel cars by 2030. Now, okay, this will be second-hand, but that'll be interesting. Um, the value of second-hand cars has gone down already. I'm not too sure um, how much is further going to go, go, how much further it's going to go down. The other interesting question is, with the avoided cost of carbon, now we don't have a carbon price, but maybe you like to um, have your own voluntary carbon price. An avoided cost of carbon is about, say, social cost of carbon is put at $30 a tonne, I haven't yet done the calculations of how many tons of CO2 I would save by using this electric vehicle and charging it with solar rather than burning petrol or diesel, but I'd imagine it would be um, reasonably significant over a five and ten year period, so that's maybe another another cost or another saving that you can sort of dial into your calculations if you're sort of struggling to sort of think about justifying the $60,000 price tag. and. Um, it was really interesting. Yesterday, I took a friend on for a um, a bit of a trip around the place. He, like me, has a deposit and has had a deposit for a Tesla Model Three for three years, but he's also really interested in the Kona, like I am. He, after the trip he experienced in the Kona, says, "That's it. I'm going for the Kona." You know why? because it's basically like the car I drive now. It's got everything I'm used to. It's got everything I need. I really want to go electric. This suits me. I really like the compact SUV. We went down the rough road that leads to his property and it handled it beautifully, uh, much better than the Prius he's got now. So he says, no, that's it, I've decided. I've already put a deposit down the Kona. I'm gonna go ahead with it. So we'll see how that conversation goes out, um, goes along with the rest of his family. But it was interesting. So he saw the $60,000 Kona, more expensive than a petrol car, but he wants an electric car and he's really, really happy that it kind of looks like the normal car it doesn't look completely different i'm not quite the same i'm still hanging out for that tesla model 3 it's a completely different car it's a different way of thinking about the inside of it i don't know whether i like it i mean the reports are fantastic and i don't know whether i'm going to be able to get a um a model a standard or a standard plus for around the sixty thousand dollar mark if i can't and it blows out to 70 or 80 then i think i'm going to be very tempted to come back to a car like this the kona because it has fantastic range, probably more range than you actually need. It's got lovely driving ability. It really is a very nice car. I'm not a great fan of compact SUVs. They're a funny shape to me. I kind of like sedans or little small station wagons, but I have to say they are the biggest selling vehicle. So maybe Hyundai knows what it's doing by having a car like this. And its philosophy has been basically just make your electric cars look like the ones the things that people are driving now and even if you look under the bonnet unlike a tesla which has basically an open space because they've hidden the engine down underneath the um the driving seats 
the Hyundai have left an electric motor, reasonably sizable, which takes the space that a petrol or diesel motor would uh, normally take. So everything about this car kind of looks like it might be a fossil fuel car, but it's actually electric. It's clean, it's quiet, it's beautiful to drive. It's just a lot more expensive, and we're probably gonna have to wait another few years for those prices to come down. And it's gonna be interesting to see what the strategy is. Do you make this vehicle with less range so it's much cheaper? Most people only drive with about 50 or 60 kilometers a day, but they occasionally go for a 100 or 200 kilometer trip just once a year on holiday, and they might, want to, they might really want to need 400 or 500 kilometer range. And by that time, I'm hoping they have a lot more success in finding public charging stations than I found around northern New South Wales in the last week. Anyway, that's it for now. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you found it informative. Um, it's funny doing this thing on an audio and not a video. It'd probably be much easier. But um, I've arrived at the coffee shop. I'm sitting outside here. The, the engine is still running, such as the engine is. The engine, of course, doesn't run when it stopped. It's, um, it just sort of sits here. And uh, that's another major difference from people sitting in their petrol and fossil fuel cars. They sit outside of shops and the engine rumbles away and they spew out all this crap. Well... Not so in an electric vehicle. Um, it really is a lovely experience. I'd recommend it to anyone. Um, hop into it when you have a mind to or when you can afford it. Bye for now. The Driven Podcast was brought to you by ZeroMo, the non-profit initiative that supports battery electric alternatives for lawn and gardening maintenance. ZeroMo helps transition to cleaner and quieter garden power tools and electric vehicles powered by 100% renewable energy. Visit zeromo.com.au and find out how you can make the switch to zero emission, petrol-free lawn and garden maintenance.